This is Carpe Consensus. Join hosts Ben Schiller and Danny Nelson as they seize the world of crypto. Hello and welcome to Carpe Consensus. This is a podcast from the Coindesk Podcast Network and I am Ben Schiller here at Coindesk. I'm features editor here. And joining me today is the great Danny Nelson. He is a business reporter here and he is hot footing it here from the SBF trial. Hi, Danny. Hello. Well, today I will say I don't live in New York City. I live in Philadelphia. And today is one of those rare days in the month of October that I will be in Philadelphia. But throughout this week, I will be coming to you guys from New York City, from Manhattan, downtown, at the courtroom itself. Great. So Danny, uh, we're going to talk to Danny today about the uh, early rumblings of the trial, which has been going about a week now. And Danny has also been recording some snippets from the trial, from the ground there, which we're going to play later in this recording for you. So Danny, how's the trial going? Ben, the trial is going pretty well. The press pool is developing a sense of camaraderie because we have to get there so early in the morning. Like, So we're recording today on Monday the 9th. Tomorrow, Tuesday, Caroline Ellison is going to testify. And I think that I'm going to get there at 5 a.m. Like that's wow. my goal because that's the hottest ticket. Everyone wants to see the ex-girlfriend testify. It's going to be the highlight of the trial unless Sam himself takes the stand. And we just can't miss it. And for me, at least, I want to be there in the room where it happens. So that means getting there really early. So Caroline Ellison is the head or former head of uh, Alameda Research. Why is she so crucial to this case? Well, the big question is what happened to this money, this $8 billion in, in, in dollars in crypto that just went poof, just got deleted when FTX went kaput. Apparently, allegedly, Alameda had a big role in doing that, whether that was from stealing the money, whether it was from just borrowing all of it, never repaying it giving that money out to other people. And she was the head of that operation. So she should know pretty well what caused that money to go away and also what role Sam Bankman-Fried had. I'm really excited for that. I'm also excited for the cross-examination where I can only imagine that the whole love story is really going to get drilled down by the, the defense lawyers because it's really just there's a lot that was wrong in Alameda and FTX. And one of the things that was wrong is you really shouldn't have two CEOs of two companies having a very uh, adversarial personal relationship, because that's just not good for any two businesses that work very closely together. And but it's also worth noting that throughout the trial, we'll be bringing our listeners, you guys, little snippets that I record from outside the courthouse in New York City. And we'll be hearing some of those later today. So Danny, uh, you've been at the courtroom every day. Just take us inside that courtroom. What's it like down there? Is it busy? Uh, does it feel different from a normal uh, reporting gig at Coindesk? Oh, it's so different. Most of the days at Coindesk, I'm shifting between my bed and my desk, just staring at Discord and wondering what it's like to be a real reporter. Not that what we're doing isn't real reporting, but like the whole idea of being on the ground, up and close and personal, witnessing the events. It's not something you can get every day in a primarily online reporting environment, which is what all of crypto journalism is and what a lot, a lot of journalism is these days, really. But in the courtroom, you're just entirely focused on what's happening there. We don't have our phones. We don't have our computers. We don't even have our smartwatches. If we have smartwatches, I don't. But all of the electronics, you have to check in with the marshals at the beginning of the day. 
and get them back at the end. So you have nothing to do but pay attention. And what you're paying attention to is this, it's not really a circus, but it is this really carefully coordinated, it is a performance, I guess, where the the prosecutors are attempting through questioning witnesses to make a certain case. And then the defense team is through the same process trying to discredit that case. That is fascinating. One of the things that really fascinates me about this whole case is the is the family drama. I mean, you talk about it being a uh, kind of theatrical piece. I mean, it's kind of like a Chekhovian uh, sort of family drama here, isn't it? I mean, you've got the kind of wonder kid, the, the, the illustrious parents who got involved and were apparently very greedy themselves, uh, you know, asking their son for money all the time to do their kind of pet projects. What do you make of this kind of family dynamic as it takes place in the courtroom? Well, the family is there. The, I, ha, I don't know if, his, if Sam's brother has been in attendance. I don't think he has, but his parents certainly are every day. His mother and his father are, I think, in the second or third row, just watching everything unfold, just like we are. It adds to this sense of something surreal is happening. Maybe 15 feet away from me, I'm looking at the back of Sam's head. Then to my right are the, the parents. In front of me, the prosecutors, the defense, and the judge. And then there are other courtroom characters too. Sometimes Martin Shkreli shows up. There's Ben McKenzie, who, uh, that, that actor who wrote a book. There are these sketch artists too, because you have to remember in a federal courtroom, there are no cameras allowed. But the media gets around that by hiring these oil pastel artists who sketch what's happening. And I love watching them work just to create a sense of what's going on because you have to find different ways of documenting what's happening in this courtroom because we don't have cameras. And I'll add to that, that although none of us reporters inside Coindesk are professional artists, we are certainly trying to moonlight as them during this trial. Nick Day, who is anchoring our coverage, he is using his own creativity to try to capture these moments himself with some pretty high ranking on Google, I'm told, little sketches. So everyone should look up SBF trial sketch. Maybe you'll see some of our work. You can tell because it's the ones that aren't professional looking. Yeah, not only a good writer, but also an emerging sketch artist, all of us. Something like that. Yeah. Um, so you talk about this strange environment where there are no uh, you know, electronic devices and, and people don't have their smartwatches. I mean, this is kind of a forced act of kind of digital detoxification. Uh, what does that feel like? It must be quite strange. Well, it is at least for the regular reporters. If you're a court reporter, which is to say you only ever cover what's happening in the courtroom, regardless of what case it is, then you do get your electronics. Lawyers also get their electronics. But for the reporters, we have to invent new ways of doing things. For Coindesk, our MO right now is to beat anyone we're able to beat, which means having a system whereby we can take snippets of life inside the courtroom and get them out the door before the day is over. So uh, we take turns running pieces of paper on which whoever's writing that day's story has written some element, whether that's a really spicy question or a, a, a characterization of the jury or something colorful about the judge. We run that outside, get our phones back from the check-in and call it into our editors. They type it up, but they send it out. And then that person goes back in. It sounds like a scene from a... Uh... 1920s Hollywood movie, sort of the golden age of journalism where people were passing pieces of paper around. So, Danny, just take this forward. So we've got Caroline Ellison. Who are the other major witnesses that we have to look forward to? She's the big kahuna, I got to say. She's the one that everyone wants to hear the most from. 
Beyond Caroline, we still haven't heard from Nishad Singh, who was the fourth member of this inner circle. Once again, that's Gary Wong, who was the CTO, Caroline Ellison, the CEO of Alameda Research, the trading firm, Sam himself, FTX, and the head of everything, and Nishad Singh, who was director of engineering within FTX. All four of them allegedly knew what was happening with these shady business dealings. We haven't heard from Nishad. So he is the big one beyond Caroline. I'm looking forward to the mooch, if the mooch testifies, which he might. When we went down to the Bahamas conference over a year ago now, that was put on by Anthony Scaramucci's Skybridge as well as FTX. So he wasn't privy, I don't believe, to the whole fraud, but he was a victim of it. And he's always colorful on CNBC. I think he'll do the same in the courtroom. And just to round this out, what about SPF himself? Uh, do you think uh, his team has made a decision as to whether he'll testify or not? And uh, that must be a massive gamble for them uh, to put him up there. Or, or Well, it is and it isn't. If the trial is really going poorly and none of the questions are going the defense team's way, and it seems like he's already cooked, then the stakes might actually be pretty low, right? There, there might be no downside and unlimited upside for him to testify. We're still only one week into this thing. It's going to take possibly six, maybe longer, who knows? So it's too early to tell for sure. I would say it's usually unlikely for a defendant to take the stand just because you could usually only do more uh, harm than good. But Sam is so, I'd say, convinced of his own innocence in this that he might decide to take the stand regardless of what his lawyers say. The judge did remind him at the start of this trial, he has the right and it is his decision alone if he wants to testify. His lawyers can advise him what to do, but they can't make him do anything. So Sam is known for, throughout this whole collapse time, making his own decisions. He might make another one of his own decisions right here. So Danny, uh, I mean, apart from the main protagonists in this trial, uh, are there any other people worth watching in the courtroom? Certainly. There is, first and foremost, the jury, the 12 people who will actually decide whether Sam Bankman-Fried is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. It's hard to tell how one should read their reactions, if there are any reactions at all, but there are certain people in the jury that do seem to have reactions when something is especially surprising, I guess. It's hard to tell because what's surprising to me is different from what's surprising to them, presumably because I know so much already about what we're talking about in the courtroom. But sometimes jurors nod off for a couple minutes during really boring things. Other times they'll look, let out a little giggle. One guy was definitely bemused when prosecutors played the Larry David FTX Super Bowl commercial, which you have to admit was a really good commercial. He was very, he, he, he chuckled a lot at that. One of the jurors did. I also am very fascinated by what they're wearing. Sometimes they show, like none of the jurors are showing up in suits as the legal teams are. So, some of them, though, as the trial progresses, they're dressing up. Like if one day one guy is wearing just a random branded tee, the next day he's wearing a button-down shirt. So maybe that corresponds with how seriously the jurors are taking the trial. If they're dressing up, maybe they're thinking, oh, I understand the gravity of this. I don't know. It's hard to tell. It's also, there's just something that's fundamentally strange about well, the people who are going to decide whether Sam's guilty or not, they're just supposed to be normal people. Like, I don't know. I don't think there's a better system of, of rendering justice in, in this country 
I'm just fascinated by that because I've never actually seen it play out firsthand. And I also never really watched Judge Judy. But of course, there's no jury in Judge Judy. It's just Judy. But there is a sort of paradox here that the less you know about crypto, the less you know about SBF and what's been going on in the world in the last year, the more appropriate you are for jury service in this case, right? I guess that's exactly correct, right? Like, you don't want people who have already formed their opinion based on what we in the media are saying happened. Like, I'm pretty confident when I report something that is true, but I'm not attempting to make a case. I'm not attempting to defend or prosecute someone. I'm just trying to convey what I understand to be the facts. And the way that that process works is very different from the one in the courtroom. I mean, the mainstream media has come on strong at the beginning of the trial and it's been reporting on uh, SBF's haircut and the witnesses and some other the atmospherics around the trial. Do you expect them to keep it up for six weeks? It seems unlikely to me that they would really uh, have that focus. I mean, the mainstream media moves very quickly, probably more quickly than we do in the uh, specialist crypto media. Do you think they'll be there at the end the way they're there at the beginning? I think that some of the heaviest hitters will be there at the end. They'll have already been there for the beginning. They'll be there throughout. I know that the New York Times is going to be there every day. The Journal also going to be there every day. There's a Fox Business producer who's been there every day of the trial. I think he's going to be there throughout the six weeks. So there's a strong base of the regulars that I'm starting to become familiar with as we wait every morning to get into the courtroom. And they're all saying that they're going to be there throughout. There's a lot of tail end interest that of people who don't show up early enough to get into the courtroom itself. I don't know if they're going to be there every day of the trial. I don't think they will. Like already the day in the first week, the days when there were no star witnesses, they were definitely quieter than the other days. But right now we're through, we're going through the moments where everyone, 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 everyone is showing up. Okay, we'll leave it there. That was Danny Nelson, and uh, we'll be returning to lots more coverage of the SBF trial, the trial of crypto, as some are calling it, um, and uh, we'll be back with more uh, much later. All right, this is Diaries from the SBF trial, take three. Good morning. It is Danny Nelson. It is 7.30 a.m. on Friday, October 6th. I am recording this steps away from the Southern District of New York Courthouse, where Sam Bankman-Fried is on trial. He is going to start day four of his criminal trial today. Sam faces a litany of fraud charges, of course, stemming from the collapse of the FTX exchange and allegations that he stole $8 billion in customer funds. I am, and many other reporters are too, uh, there every day of the trial to bring you the latest here on this podcast, we're going to bring you a little bit something different just from the news, bring you behind the scenes and what's going on. So, I, you know, I may have told you at 7.30 a.m., you might say, Danny, why are you at the courthouse at 7.30 a.m.? And then I'd also say, well, that's how early you need to get there if you want to get a seat in the room where it happens. Uh, the room where it happens is the 26th floor of the Daniel Patrick Moynihan Federal Courthouse uh, with Judge Lewis Kaplan residing we are getting spicy in the courtroom, having finished up opening arguments. We've moved on in earnest into some pretty good witnesses. And early in this six-week trial, we're already hearing from one of the main co-conspirators, the alleged co-conspirators, I should say, that being Gary Wong. He is the quiet coding genius behind FTX and Alameda, also a co-founder of both companies, along with Sam. 
and he started off his testimony with a bang. Prosecutors asked him, did you commit crimes while at FTX? To which he said, yes. Pretty damning testimony, I will say. It's also worth noting, of course, that he is a government witness. He has pled guilty. He is turned on Sam in order to hopefully get a better deal. And that doesn't look so good for Sam. So I'm really excited to hear how the defense hits back at Gary. They've had a lot of trouble these last few days trying to get their arguments through just because the judge in the case, Lewis Kaplan, of course, has been pretty uh, no-nonsense, doesn't have much patience for their games. That's one thing to look forward to. All right, I might return later today with some more color. Until then, that's all for now. All right, today is Tuesday, October 10th. It is Danny Nelson of Coindesk. I am here with Eli Tan, formerly of Coindesk, currently of the Washington Post. Where are we, Eli? We're at the Southern District of New York Courthouse in downtown Manhattan. Yes, and today is the biggest day of the SBF trial so far, and that's because the government's star witness, Carolina Ellison, is here. Uh, Eli, what, what's your take on what we've seen so far? Well, it seemed like they really tried to draw Gary Wong's testimony out so that we could have the most dramatic 15 minutes of Caroline's testimony right before we went to lunch. Mm -hmm. That's what it seems and like And of to course, me. Caroline is uh, Sam Bankman-Fried's ex-girlfriend and ex-business partner. She was the CEO of Alameda Research, and she played a pretty big role, the prosecutors say, in orchestrating this $8 billion fraud. Now, Eli, you were in the courtroom. Walk us through the moment when Caroline walked in. Well, a lot of people didn't know if she was going to go before or after lunch. A lot of people thought she was going to wait. So when they, you know, called her to the stand, it was a pretty dramatic moment. Everyone turned, watched her come in. I think personally she was a little bit smaller than I expected her to be. Gray coat, purple dress. Got up on the stand, kind of the moment so far of the trial to me at least. You know, they have her point out SBF and it took her about a minute. She was squinting on her tiptoes, looking around. People started laughing. SBF's parents were even smiling. It was quite the moment. Yeah, uh, she has probably not seen Sam in over, oh, well, not over, but she has not seen Sam in a whole year because the last time I saw her, she was almost certainly the Bahamas. Since then, she's turned into a government witness. He's turned into a government chum. Eli, what are you uh, excited to hear from her in the hours to come? Uh, you know, I really don't know. I feel like we've, I feel like they'll take a very similar strategy that they did with Gary Wong where they have him admit right up in the open the crimes they committed. But I guess, you know, any colorful details about their lives in the Bahamas would be interesting for me to hear. Yes, there's a lot on the way, so stay tuned. Okay, we're going to wrap up the show now. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. And we'll be back next week with more coverage of the SBF trial, analyzing everything that's going on with this very important event uh, in crypto history. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Carpe Consensus is a Coindesk production, executive produced by Jared Schwartz and produced and edited by Eleanor Paul. Have any questions or comments? Email us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line Carpe Consensus. Thanks for listening and see you next week.